0: This episode is brought to you by J. Cole for Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film, the Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special, which debuts on Saturday, April 15th, 10 Eastern, 11 Pacific. This exclusive presentation is a multi-narrative show that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cole's lens. The special showcases songs from Cole's fourth album as well as revealing footage containing the heartfelt confessions, concerns, and struggles of people in the South. Cole takes the time to connect back with the community to provide a socially conscious platform for those who are the most affected by current injustices and champions' unique perspectives and shared experiences in the American South. Again, tune in Saturday, April 15th, 10 Eastern, 11 Pacific, for the premiere of J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film exclusively on HBO. All right, Danny, let's get started here in something that really kind of bothers me a little bit, frankly. This end of the season was like kind of sucked.
1: Yeah, it's lost some sizzle just because of the way that the timing works out. And, you know, you had some of those games. A great example of this would be Hawks Hornets where the hornets had nothing to play for the hawks had arguably something significant to play for and so instead of being a game fraught with tension and passion it became just an afterthought and it that was important in terms of solidifying the eastern conference playoff picture but you know sometimes these things end with a whimper
0: well this sets up as a 103 76 hawks victory nick Batum played 10 minutes had zero points Kemba Walker didn't play at all. He was being rusted. Marvin Williams, 13 minutes. MKG, Cody Zeller, 22 minutes. The Hawks are just blowing them out from the start. And that sets up now. The Hawks have clinched the fifth seed. And that means that they now have nothing to play for tomorrow against Indiana. You would imagine that they would be rusting their guys. That will enable Indiana... To have what will likely be an easy win at home to clinch the seventh seed, and then in Chicago, the Nets are not bringing anyone at all. Basically, uh Brooke Lopez not going to play. You'd speculated maybe that that would be a tough game if Lopez plays against Robin Lopez. That's not going to happen now. I mean, really, none of the Nets' best players are going to be in that game. So the Bulls are likely going to win as well, and that means that Miami, who would also have an easy game, probably against a Washington team that has nothing to play for and that rested John Wall on Monday, uh. Even if they won, they are going to be SOL and out of the playoffs. And then in the West, the Kings going against the Clippers. The Kings uh, have not been trying for quite some time. And then San Antonio is playing at Utah. San Antonio has been playing their guys, but you know is, isn't playing them in the fourth quarter, really. That's what they did on Monday. So basically, every game... Oh yeah, and then the Bucks aren't trying either. They didn't aren't bringing any of their guys to Boston uh now that the Hawks have clinched the fifth seed, although that even came out before, before. The, yeah, before the the Hawks Seemingly inevitable win over the Skeleton Hornets team. So basically, all of the seating there's still stuff to p- play for, mind you, is going to be essentially no games tomorrow between teams that are trying and not resting, guys. It's really disappointing.
1: Nothing like that incredibly memorable and eventually super important 2015 regular season finale yeah. between the Pelicans and the Spurs, which the Pelicans shockingly won. Not only took taking Oklahoma City out of the playoffs, but knocking the Spurs out of the two seed and. And, you know, those sorts of things don't happen. One thing I want to mention, and I just love that I get to make this distinction. You talked about how the Kings aren't really trying and they won by 25 tonight. And I don't think that disproves your theory because they were playing the Sun.
0: Who rested Devin Booker because, you know, it's all about development. That's why we're resting our veterans, right? And Adam Silver went on Howard Beck's podcast and, you know, he said, oh, I kind of cringe. I poo-poo it. We might need to take another look at the lottery. But it is rather telling that, There's so much concern about good players, superstar players being rested on ABC showcase games. You know, that's like three games a year and like five players that we're talking about LeBron James foremost among them. And then we've got teams that just are have shut guys down for two months. And and yeah, I I think Silver made the point that, hey, those teams fan bases don't really mind. They want them to lose. (laughs) Uh, and they want them to to develop, and and we do see this, of course, in in other sports that don't have as much of a draft incentive, where you bring in younger players and maybe rest veterans and just i mean part of the reason to not have them play too is just like why risk them getting hurt for the games that matter next year or risk them you know lowering their trade value by getting hurt i mean that's something like derrick rose for example imagine if he were under contract with the knicks and he injured himself in the last week of the season uh so you know i understand all those points but i mean man there have just been some teams that have not tried uh at all down the stretch and while it is kind of funny to joke about it's a little bit i mean for example like the lakers right like tonight they played the pelicans and lakers fans are really enjoying it meta world peace went off he had 18 points was hitting a bunch of threes uh but you know if you like wanted to see anthony davis or demarcus cousins uh no chance of that they're uh in uh just warm-ups on the bench
1: there's a, a re- an ancillary point that i've wanted to make for a few weeks now and haven't really done but you kind of got to it on twitter last night and so i wanted to talk about it which is the idea of focusing on the national tv games in terms of resting guys as a competitive balance issue so if the league is going to be kind of look like they're more stringent on these sorts of things for national television games, there has to be an acknowledgement that since the league does not distribute those games and their opponents equally, that it actually can produce this really strange imbalance where certain teams are going to be more likely or less likely to face another team's best players late in the season.
0: Yeah, the Spurs are the example of that, right? Because Adam Silver had this meeting Saturday night, ABC, the Spurs play against the Clippers. Now the Spurs lost that game, uh, but then the Spurs played Portland on Monday and Utah, if those games that actually meant anything and the Spurs were resting... Now the Clippers get a much harder opponent than Utah or Portland just because the game happens to be on national TV.
1: Right. And you can think about that, that those games are not necessarily evenly distributed in terms of even the quality of teams or anything like that. Utah, LA is a great example that those teams are fighting for the same seed. It's pretty well, it's not settled now, but it, I mean, we think we know where it's going. It's an incredibly important issue. And it also gets into the idea, which I will hammer home until they change it, of fixing competitive balance issues in terms of making sure teams don't play the same opponent frequently at the end of the year because it is completely ludicrous for a team that faces another team let's say three times to play that team twice in the last two weeks of the year because it's just completely different so many of these teams are fundamentally changed from where they were even a month ago and some of them just in, in a way that it totally can screw the system and I think I think it, I wouldn't go have gone through the math but I wouldn't be surprised if it has
0: I agree with you completely I mean there's although you know Denver for example uh, they have no one to blame but themselves Uh, this is a bit of an aside but they you know that lot one of the nominees we should have had for worst loss was them just getting completely blown out at home by the Pelicans in like that first of three games that they played uh, over the last and there's been like the the Wizards and Heat they've played it like you know what like three times in the last like three weeks or something like that I mean it definitely is a little bit of an issue I mean we're probably it's not like some enormous issue there's a lot bigger ones but it seems like something that could fairly easily i think that's the
1: issue is that it's not a big issue but it's correctable and i get more frustrated with correctable issues than than intractable ones because i get mad about those
0: so let's just bring everyone up to date here on where the playoff picture stands we may repeat ourselves a little bit from yesterday do you want me Uh, to do it no yeah number one seed in the east what's the story there
1: the celtics have a one game advantage so the only way they can lose it is if they fall to the bucks and cleveland beats toronto the only team that is actually trying of this mix that is in kind of that situation but considering milwaukee isn't sending their guys boston has to be the heavy favorite for that spot three and four are completely set toronto is the third seed washington is the four and their playoff
0: and we should note yeah we should note too that the raptors basically uh they're gonna want to try to avoid cleveland if they can in the second round so they they're gonna lay down uh like nobody's business tomorrow as well probably against the Cavs, even though they're not playing lebron james
1: well you would say that except that dwayne casey says they're gonna play all their guys and that they don't don't want to do that but you never know within a game they that can change really quickly especially because it's on the road you know i'm not gonna i'm not we'll see we'll see when we get there but anyway i want to yeah. get into what happened today was significant because it's set two playoff matchups in the east the first ones that have been set so the three seed toronto is going to face the six seed milwaukee which is a, a fascinating series and i'm then, gonna
0: really enjoy that series that's a, that's an awesome matchup
1: and then the four seed wizards are going to face the five seed hawks on nba tv <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well yeah I, th- I think you're right it's that that's absolutely right because and raps bucks i'm sure will get its share of nba tv as well but uh if it ends up being bulls celtics i mean that's two huge fan bases pacers Cavs will have have lebron in it so that'll that'll LeBron be a big and Paul one George. too so yeah yeah uh, uh although the pacers certainly have been uh are no stranger to nba tv during the playoffs as well i mean they were the number one seed in like getting on nba tv regularly like a, a couple of years ago yeah um, and
1: we, and we know in the West that, that Spurs-Grizzlies is going to get at least one NBA TV game, maybe two.
0: Uh, Yeah, usually, though, NBA TV is the East because, you know, the, it's like the game that starts at four, you know, right. at four Pacific time. Um, But all right, so Pacers... 41 and 40, a game ahead of both the Bulls, 40 and 41, and the Heat. Uh, The Pacers will be playing a Hawks team that very, very likely will not be trying tomorrow, as we said. So you can probably pencil them in, you would think, uh, for being the seventh seed which they will be if they win uh the bulls if they beat the skeleton nets uh, they will clinch the eighth seed uh the only way that uh miami can get into the playoffs is if either the pacers or bulls lose and they beat the skella wizards and f- i said yesterday that i thought 24 percent was too low of a chance for the heat but now that the hawks have clinched now that the nets aren't even bringing any of their guys i think 24 percent is way too rosy for the heat at the this point i would put it at something like you know 10 percent.
1: yeah i might even have it lower than that well the chances that the bulls blow that game i mean somebody said oh, oh all the stuff we said yesterday is invalidated no chicago nobody no team zigs when you expect them to zag quite like the 2016 17 chicago Bulls.
0: and i mean that the, the hawks skeleton crew did win in cleveland like less than a week ago so and, and the pacers have been uh yo-yoed quite a bit at as well so it's not impossible but it certainly uh, there's also something about the last game of the season especially on the road this is just my subjective memory that teams just lay down if they're just if it's like uh, especially if it's the team that's not going to be in the, in the playoffs like the Nets uh but they've played hard all year they have guys who are trying to establish their career but the last game of the season I mean we've seen some just incredible laydowns in, in the last game of the season by uh teams that are not in contention
1: right and while the Nets don't have any incentive to lose they don't have the Mark Badson shooting threes issue they you know they, they can just kind of float and you can see the finish line at that point you can see the light at the end of the the tunnel especially the players on nets they have a lot of guys that are that are looking at either partially guaranteed or non-guaranteed contracts you really really don't want to get hurt in those circumstances so yeah I mean I could totally see them doing that but at the same point Chicago has lost to the Knicks the Nets and the Sixers in the last few weeks so you never know
0: In the West, all is decided except for home court advantage in the 4-5 series between the Clippers and Jazz. Clippers at home against Sacramento. Dave Yeager did say after the game, I don't like the Clippers, so let's try and mess things up for them. Uh... And then the Jazz at home against San Antonio, you have to give the Jazz pretty low chances of pulling that off because the Clippers have the tiebreaker. They're both uh, 50 and 31 right now. So ja- Clippers would have to lose. Jazz would have to win for them to get home court.
1: Could I make a, a, a small note that is something people have been like, oh, are you watching this? And the answer is always yes when it involves pick protection. But so Sacramento winning tonight against the Suns puts them in a place where they could theoretically tie the Pelicans for ninth slash 10th in the lottery. And so that would create this crazy scenario where if they were 10th and then one of the teams in the double digits jumped into the top three that they could send their pick to Chicago. Yes, I'm aware of it, but it's exceedingly unlikely to happen because not only would they have to win that game, but they would also have to lose the coin flip and then have one of those exceedingly unlikely teams jump them. But yeah, that possibility is vaguely exciting.
0: All right, you're getting ahead of yourselves here. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves, rather. Uh, we got to do a commercial real quick and then we will get to talking about uh, the tank rank and there are some big games for that tomorrow yes there Uh, are a lot of teams kind of jumbled jumbled together uh but first this from a new sponsor blinkist and I was really excited to have them on because for a long time, I've just wanted this service to exist. I even have talked to my friends about how this would be a cool thing to have. So the Blinkist app, over 2,000 of the best-selling nonfiction books are transformed into powerful packs that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. And what I always thought was, hey, you know, if you read a nonfiction book that's supposed to be something that you take something away from to use in your life, you're really going to remember more than maybe 15 minutes of what The Good points were of it. Since you're listening to this podcast, you probably love the idea of learning on the go with your smartphone. So you could listen to the key insights of a nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. They have titles like How Champions Think, Shoe Dog, Mindful Athlete, How to Win at the Sport of Business. If you're reading, you'll get through one book a week. Maybe if you're lucky, I don't have that much time to read, even get through one book a week. Uh, But with the Blinkist app, you get the key insights from two to three books on your way home with more knowledge in less time, big ideas in small packages. And of course, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. If you go to Blinkist.com Capspace, the URL right now to start your free trial or get free months off your yearly plan, you will save and let them know that you came from us. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, blinkus.com slash Capspace starts your free trial or gets three months off of your yearly plan at blinkus.com slash Capspace. All right, Danny, I know that you're just foaming at the mouth with anticipation to tell us where we are at. Why don't we just go in reverse order, starting with the number one pick? Or the best lottery odds. We'll say seeds in the lottery is probably the best way to put it.
1: Yeah. So the team with the most ping pong balls, actually the the three most are already set after today's exciting action. So the nets locked up the number one the best odds a while ago and so no matter what happens <laughs> I'm, just, I'm
0: just laughing at the way you said today's exciting action the that uh that pell's lakers game actually was was kind of exciting yeah, I, the got, I got well, went... i got
1: a little bit mad at you because i was watching a little bit of king's Suns, which was broadly abysmal other than buddy healed having a nice game he actually said <laughs> his he said his career high with 30 i believe and then you're saying oh look at how much fun look at how much fun lakers pelicans is and i just was getting more and more bitter and And then eventually switched over and then eventually turned the TV off. But anyway, let's get back to the to the to the meat and potatoes. So the Nets have the best lottery odds. That's already locked up by virtue of losing to the Kings. The Suns are actually done. They don't play tomorrow. They're one of only two teams. So they have clinched the second most lottery balls. And by virtue of that, the Lakers with 26 wins have clinched the third most. So those three teams can do what well the, the Suns don't play, but the other two teams can do whatever they want on the last day of the season won't affect their odds at all then things get yeah, and really the Lakers play
0: at the warriors but i, I mean the warriors who know they're they're resting maybe the lakers even win but it doesn't matter because they are uh they're they're locked in so yeah we, yeah where does it get then we get into an interesting morass in the four five
1: right so the four five the the magic and the sixers are tied right now with they have exa- identical records and both teams play against other teams that don't particularly want to win so the sixers are at the knicks who are also in this morass that is right above them and i'll explain that in a minute whereas the the magic host the detroit pistons the pistons have far less of an incentive they're pretty settled in at their spot because denver's two games above them and the hornets are are one below so i mean theoretically like it, I get, it doesn't make that big a difference but also orlando's playing at home i di- i actually think there's a distinct chance orlando wins which would be hilarious so then that would that would so if they well, do charlotte
0: charlotte is done completely right so yeah you're yeah, right the, the pistons yeah so the, the pistons, pistons are locked in are locked in yeah
1: yeah. They're locked in at whatever number that is. I think that's, I think that's a 12. I think they are. So, and then, and the Hornets are locked in at 11, I think is right. Okay. So then, so the Magic and Sixers, and for those, I, I've said this a couple times before, if two teams tie, what they do is they take their combinations, add them together and then divide it by two. So then they split it equally. And then they do a coin flip, which determines two things. One, if there's an extra combination, the winning team gets that. And the winning team, if neither moves into the top three, the winning team gets the better pick.
0: Yeah. And, And getting the extra combination doesn't do much because there's a thousand different combinations but yeah the the coin flip or or i don't think it's it's some sort of you know random generator i don't know if it's like literally a coin but i uh, think it is still that can actually be pretty important oh yeah well yeah the most the most
1: it might they might have changed it the most important coin flip in recent history was the golden state warriors in 2012 they had top seven protection on their pick and they had a coin flip with the toronto raptors for seven and eight the warriors won that coin flip Flip, neither team moved up and that allowed them to draft Harrison Mark.
0: Well, wow, how do you know so much about Warriors history, Danny?
1: Actually, I know that through covering that draft and tanking experience, though. Yes, writing a book on the <laughs> Warriors and writing a chapter on the 2012 draft certainly helped. OK, but let's let's so let's move into the, the next little thing is is super weird because the Knicks right now have the worst record of this remaining group. They're at 30 and 51, while the Timberwolves are at 31 and 50. However, the Knicks are playing the Sixers who really, really, really don't want to win. So theoretically, the Knicks could move into that group. And Minnesota, who lost their last game in in disappointing fashion.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, like Minnesota has been like trying. They tried in that Lakers game that they lost at the buzzer the other night. Uh, they lost to the Russell Westbrook-less Thunder tonight. As Victor Oladipo hit a uh, clutch shot. Maybe you just have to be a guard in the Thunder and you automatically get to be good in the clutch this year. And we, we should totally discount uh what Russell Westbrook's uh, clutch performance because it's totally random. Uh, but anyway, yeah, kind dist- of. So they also played the they
1: also wolves... played against
0: the blazers yeah the blazers obviously had something to play for at that point so that was right. that was a little different well, like, a, that was a, a respectable loss
1: I don't know if you saw this but I think I think it was one of I think it was Alan Horton actually that had the, the there are only five players now that Russell Westbrook sat that have started all all of their team's games so far this year and three of them are Wiggins towns and Jang. so that kind of gives you an idea of how they've been approaching this
0: pretty amazing uh, that's actually one thing that's a little disturbing for the wolves this year is that they've actually been like Really healthy and they still haven't been any good i mean that's been one aspect of their season that's uh, uh if you knew that they're gonna be this healthy if like rubio was gonna stay healthy basically all year uh th- that's kind of disappointing but but anyway yeah also i was gonna say this when you're talking about the lakers them winning five straight to get their season over like season long over in the over under is like one of the ultimate bad beats like that is just completely ridiculous especially because they've had like four uh victories like that have just like come down to the wire like it's just it's been crazy
1: it's been absolutely crazy i was actually listening to lakers kings as i was driving back from portland and just laughing maniacally because it was it was just an absolute delight because i had the lakers broadcast on and they were michael thompson was basically saying oh whatever happens in the lottery happens and this creates this dynamic where the lakers have the third third most odds and they have to they have to get the third pick or better in order to keep their selection otherwise it goes to the sixers and then they yeah, lose I mean, their, their 20 the... they lose their 2019 yeah pick to the magic too
0: yeah it's not the end of the world because i mean they're going from 55% odds of keeping their pick to 46% so it's yeah. not like yeah. they're just totally screwing themselves but they're just like slightly screwing themselves uh all right so so i interrupted you here in uh explaining the Knicks timberwolves dynamic
1: sure so the timberwolves are playing the the rockets who have nothing to play for but are probably still better than timberwolves but also minnesota at this point if they can figure it out losing for them is is a very good thing it gives them a shot at the sixth pick
0: yeah they they would be number six yeah that would be the
1: if the the Knicks win yeah and they and they would and if they lose they would definitely be have the seventh best odds and that's pretty good too
0: yeah and it's worth noting too that in some of these teams to be in the low 30s and still be you know sixth in in the lottery or uh is actually like not too bad you know I mean they're really other than the Lakers and Nets and and then the Suns once they really started tanking there are no real bad teams and even the Lakers now uh their final point differential is going to be uh better than negative seven so uh, like it's pretty rare that you'll see nobody there and then on the other side the Spurs are plus 7.2 point differential. And then, of course, the Warriors are the huge outlier at plus 11.7, one of the greatest marks of all time. But the league, despite all the talk of how you know things are really stratified and you know it's really one of the more competitive seasons uh, that we've seen other than just Golden State being out ahead of the pack uh, like this.
1: So that's pretty much the top seven. And if Minnesota if Minnesota wins, then they move into this group that includes right now Sacramento and Dallas both those teams are are 32 and 49 Dallas plays Memphis somebody else who has nothing to play for but Dallas Could pretty epically tank that game if they want. I think they're gonna. I think they've already announced they're gonna have a couple guys out. And then
0: yeah, Harrison Barnes rested for them today as they uh, did a nice uh, stealth loss against the Nuggets.
1: Right, and then the the Kings have a pretty natural loss because the Clippers will almost definitely want to win that game because there is this weird thing that the Jazz game starts like an hour and a half before. But I still think the Clippers are going to try in that game because that would lock up home court in that four or five series against the Jazz. So my expectation is that sacramento is going to stay at 32 wins so those teams will probably stay in a split and then if either of them wins they could get into it with new into a tie with new orleans new orleans is at 33 wins and they play portland who also has nothing to play for
0: yeah that'll be another but the pels have just been horrendous they've lost five straight now since i mean they have nobody on their team other than uh drew demarcus and AD so if they're sitting ad and Demarcus which they've basically been doing uh this whole time and drew didn't play that many minutes today hard to imagine that especially with the blazers playing at home uh that the pels w- would pull that out so uh, and the blazers have a lot of young guys who haven't really been playing as much too so I think they'll be kind of eager uh to go out and, and play well it,
1: it could could be kind of like their game against the Spurs where the blazers were certainly not favorites in that game but their young guys played with energy and they were at home and they had that crowd and they ended- Ended up pulling out a a strange, supremely strange win.
0: So yeah, so then Hornets uh, are locked in to, uh, what pick are we at right now?
1: They're locked in to, that is the 11th pick.
0: Okay, and then...
1: And that's, sorry, that's the the 11th best odds to be lawyers about it
0: yeah yeah the 11th the 11th seed i think that's the easiest way to to talk about and then the pistons also are locked in to the 12 seed and then the nuggets and heat could potentially tie if the nuggets were to win and the heat were to lose tomorrow the nuggets play at the thunder don't see them necessarily winning that one uh it would be very smart of them to just sit their guys tomorrow and and get that 13th pick uh make sure to secure that uh you know i i would imagine westbrook will probably play at least a little bit uh, down the stretch but yeah i mean with the west getting settled so early and then all these teams not trying like i was really hoping for an exciting last day of the season and it just it, it, and last year we had like kobe going for 60 and the warriors getting 73 wins we didn't really see much else in terms of seeding last year but yeah that 2015 was epic when you had the spurs drop from 2 to 6 uh and, and that ended up being their demise in the playoffs as well uh, losing that game so I, I wish we could get back to that but at least it'll be uh not as late of a night for us tomorrow
1: it's always a late night for me at this point but that's okay <laughs> all
0: right anything else that we got to talk about news wise here before we uh get into a little bit of, of the nike hoop summit
1: yeah there there are a couple of pieces of news that i think are significant we'll start with the transactional stuff because i think there were a couple things that are notable there a lot of them involving the cleveland cavaliers so the Cavs cut deandre liggins A couple days ago and they had to do that in order because they so they did that in order to clear space for Dante Jones and so you kind of saw that coming and then they in a surprising move more surprising they signed is it's it's Eddie right or is it Edie I've never been completely sure
0: uh I think it's Eddie Tavares
1: Eddie Tavares And waived Larry Sanders. And they were allowed to do that. If for some people who who kind of followed the weird drama with Benno Udre. the Pistons wanted to cut him so that they could sign Lorenzo Brown, but they did it too late. And so they weren't able to do that. But Larry Sanders was cut after that because he has a non-guaranteed second season. He's theoretically eligible to be picked up by other teams. And so he didn't fall into the same hole that Benno did. And so that allowed them to make
0: a guy, you can't cut a guy who is ending his contract uh, if there isn't time for him to get picked up on waivers by another team, and since uh, they wanted to cut Ujritt less than forty-eight hours before some team seasons ended, then he couldn't be picked up on waivers, and that's why the move was illegal. Sanders, since he's still under contract for next year, you can terminate his contract for next year, and that's why it's okay.
1: Right. So the Cavs made those two changes, and in a corresponding situation, the Dallas Mavericks claimed Liggins off waivers, which not only gives them the opportunity to figure out if they want to do his team option, and then. He has a light guarantee after that, but it also saved, per Bobby Marks, it saved the Cavaliers $2.5 million, which is incredible. But just because of the way that for this year, and this is changing with the new CBA, the way that they calculate the luxury tax.
0: Yeah, we can call this move by the Cavs the Eric Murphy. And if you don't remember him, I'm not surprised. He was a stretch power forward who was drafted by the Chicago Bulls waived as the Bulls were desperately trying to avoid the luxury tax down the end of the 2013-14 season they were like having 12 guys on the roster for like the two maximum two weeks that you could and like they're just trying to stay out of the tax and then they waived him basically Utah kind of owed, owed them a favor and so Utah just claimed him off of waivers and then th- that reduced the, the Bulls luxury tax bill gave him a little bit of extra operating room in here you know that's huge huge savings for Cleveland Dallas was the only team that had an open roster spot and this this again kind of smacks of just like hey do us a little bit of a favor. And, and Lincoln's actually, you know, I wouldn't totally give up on him as a player either. And as as mentioned, he is under contract uh, for next year as well.
1: Unfortunately, that prevented them from having a roster spot for Tony Romo. Nope, that's not actually true. Adam Silver said he wouldn't honor the contract of the now retired Cowboys quarterback. So he was an honorary Maverick rather than actually signing a contract.
0: In other news, Joakim Noah, in what is continuing a total disaster, needs shoulder surgery. I'm not sure if we've gotten a designation on which side it is uh it may be the same one that he had surgery on in uh the 15-16 season uh but four to six months of rehab in his future he still has to serve that PED suspension starting next year i don't know whether he just injured this shoulder now as he was working to try and come back and prove that he could make it through a practice so he could start his suspension this year or what but i mean not being able to work out at all again for noah I mean, i th- figured there was basically no chance he was going to return to being an effective player anyway and now as he's in his early 30s uh, the chances of that drop even further with this latest surgery
1: since you remember but only
0: all- uh only three years and 54 million left on that contract
1: since you remember all of these things it is his left rotator cuff is that the same one or is that the other one
0: It is the same one. And I did have to just look it up right now. But uh, yeah, it is the same one.
1: And the estimate is that it will take four to six months to rehabilitate. And four months would put it right around the start of training camp next year. And six months would be into next season.
0: All right, let's uh, do another ad here real quick. And then we'll talk about uh, maybe my favorite event on the NBA calendar, the Nike Hoop Summit, right after this word from... The podcast, I Hate My Boss. Have you ever worked for a difficult boss? It's frustrating and you're not alone. So who can you talk about it with? Where do you get some workplace advice? Where can you say those four words? I hate my boss. I was lucky enough to never really have a boss that I hated. But for those of you who do have one, and I would imagine it'd be... Actually, no, that's not true. I did actually have a boss that I hated. I got fired from a Italian restaurant in Hilton Head, South Carolina in 2002. So yeah, I I didn't like that guy. Uh, And I wish this podcast had been around at that time to give me some measure of solace. It's about people who go to work, who are part of a team, who respect their bosses, and sometimes need to escape. And you'll also meet some characters that you might relate to or know and will help you deal with them. New episodes of I Hate My Boss drop every Monday just in time for your work week. Go listen to I Hate My Boss and subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. I Hate My Boss, workplace drama, comedic relief. Subscribe today. Who do you think was the best guy, or, or I shouldn't say best guy, who's the best prospect that you saw at the Hoop Summit? And for those who don't know what the Hoop Summit is, it's the best U.S. seniors as judged by USA Basketball. It's actually played under international rules versus the best uh 19 and under world prospects that they can get to come definitely some guys missing from that but the best guys they could get they did a better job with that this year uh who did you think was uh the best prospect at this event
1: michael porter jr straight up i mean i don't think there was much hesitation in it he is not a perfect prospect in any way shape or form but he is a special athlete and who
0: is the last perfect prospect
1: lebron i mean he's not perfect he wasn't wasn't
0: a great shooter uh i mean there's nobody uh, like uh, and that that's been an issue for him at times i guess kd i guess wasn't wasn't quite strong enough um yeah i would i don't know if there's ever been a perfect prospect but i i know what you mean yeah i mean lebron would probably have to be the, the one that you would look at uh eight now actually you know what it would be anthony davis that would be the one i think other than him just being a little skinny but he had a projectable frame even at that point he might be the last one
1: yeah i have no real opposition to that but porter i, I thought that his athleticism was better than i ha- i hadn't heard a ton about him but it was better than i expected he had a couple of just absolutely nasty dunks and the mechanics on his jump shot are great not only for a guy his size for damn near anybody
0: porter six foot nine nine one standing reach Uh, i think his wingspan is like six eleven seven foot so not like a ridiculous wingspan uh but you kind of you see him play and i saw him play also in the u18 tournament of the americas championship against Canada last summer, and he seemed like more of a smooth athlete than like a really bouncy one. And he dispelled those notions seeing him in person because he gets up and he gets up quick two feet, one feet around the rim. He got up for some pretty nasty shot blocks. I mean, I think he's a guy who can play some combo forward in time, but definitely a a pure three. And he's got a, a lot of height and a lot of bounce for his size threw a couple of nice passes but that's considered one of his weaknesses as a prospect but you mentioned that he has I don't know that he's going to be an amazing shooter I mean he's not going to be like a Kevin Durant level of shooter I don't think but I think he's going to be a solid shooter he showed the ability to put the ball on the floor with good quickness especially going to his right and, and finish off a of one foot nice touch around the rim as well uh, solid work in the post with fadeaway jumpers over either shoulder uh, that looked pretty good uh, okay floater game and, and as I mentioned just uh, he can you can throw him an alley-oop and he just rises up out of nowhere and it's such a quick jump for him uh so very impressive for him I I think people were asking me all week you know who is the comp for Michael Porter I struggled to find one what do you think
1: I don't have one that I'm comfortable with he is because he's he's just kind of different like I don't think that I don't have one I bounced around with different guys over time. There were moments where I thought kind of young Blake Griffin, but not as athletic, but his jump shot is better and his athleticism yeah, is and not and at that level. Yeah, and he doesn't have that
0: type of... Right. Yeah, he's not like a pure par for it. I mean, he, Blake Griffin's got, you know, 40 pounds on him even even when he was younger. So, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting... In terms of the... He's not... Quite white that nuclear as a dunker but uh, he might even be like a better quick jumper than than Blake is though and and obviously the shooting touch is far beyond him I I would say to me I mean scoring small forwards are what come to mind right like I think maybe like a better Rudy Gay would be like kind of what I would would think of like a Rudy Gay who can actually be efficient has more quickness off the dribble Uh, I didn't see much from him defensively I mean not that he is bad it just he didn't stand out in that way either so I don't know if he's going to be the type of guy was quite quick enough to be like, all right, I'm going to switch on to ones or twos or anything like that. What did you think of his D? It
1: was all right. I, I think one of the things why I was thinking about the other than the shop blocking,
0: the shot but, blocking was incredible. Whew, where he, he came had a couple, out of nowhere.
1: he had a couple of amazing ones. But something I liked about him was he he was smart off ball in terms of cuts and things like that, which is something that I never really wasn't prominent to me about Rudy Gay. But I think that Blake Griffin has has done well in the past. But anyway, we're we're talking about really talented guys, and yeah, I, I, I don't. Don't have a, a comp for him, but generally that's a that's not a good thing. It's just what it is. But I he was really impressive, and he's not that no doubt about it star to me because I. I'm somebody who is just so enamored with the idea of the guy you can run your offense through or who has that definitive thing. And he certainly can develop that. I mean, he's a high school senior, but the LeBrons of the world, the, if you want to go that way, Chris Paul's of the world, I, I, when I see that thing that I can grab onto with him. But at the same point, I made the same mistake with Kevin Durant. I didn't, I didn't think Kevin Durant was, it was a guarantee that he was going to be the scorer he is. So I've made this mistake before.
0: Yeah. If you were going to compare him to KD, which is a, a- He's not that level of pure shooter. He doesn't have that type of length. Probably a stronger body, although he is pretty skinny. You, you wonder whether he could really, you know, play that much for full time. I think he's got more explosion off the dribble in terms of, like, straight line quickness Uh, than, you know, KD. Paul George is another guy that kind of comes to mind a little bit, um... But I, I think just the versatility, I, the big thing that's going to determine to me whether he's you know just kind of like a twenty point a game scorer who's like a, okay, number one is his defense. I should say two things, and then number two is is he going to be like an acceptable shooter, a solid shooter, or is he going to become a great shooter? Those are, but I think I think he has the ability to become a great shooter potentially, and I was just very impressed by the level the number of things that he does well for a 610 small forward prospect at that age not the type of guy that you see a lot of and so i i was i was very high on him i'm not sure that you know some people were saying oh he would go number one in this draft i still haven't seen enough of him or faults or ball for that matter to really make that determination but uh he's definitely a uh, a unique type of athletic player uh, with the skill that he has.
1: Something else I really liked about Porter was that he didn't really pop as much in the first scrimmage, We or the first thing we saw him in, which was at Nike, which was more of a drill-based thing. But every time there was a competitive game, particularly in the scrimmages, so the scrimmage at the end of that day, so I think that was on Wednesday, and then the Thursday one against the Portland Generals, he was he popped in those circumstances. And I love it when a guy pops in game circumstances.
0: Yeah, he had the best single day of practice on that Thursday, that scrimmage against the Portland Generals, who, and they actually had some real guys, like Steve Blake actually played. He lives in the Portland area now. He came in and played. uh They had a bunch of guys for like who played at Portland State. So it wasn't like a talentless team. Uh, that they really kind of hammered but yeah he had the best single day of practice on that thursday of anyone that i can remember uh wasn't quite as good in the game got in foul trouble a little bit but it was able to he gets to the line a lot too actually which is another thing that i like about him uh so who is the second best prospect there that's even a more difficult question
1: you mean as an nba player
0: yeah i mean if you're if you could just draft all of if all these players were in a draft right now who appeared in the hoop summit who would you who would be your number two pick
1: it's hard because i really like trevon duval at adidas nations last summer and he didn't look as good here but i still really like him so i might i might go with him hmm.
0: duval uh kind of a, a point guard in kind of the russell westbrook body type but you know not as explosive i think he'll get more explosive as time goes on uh can't shoot at all he brings the ball up on the right side of his body shoots on the way down it's like this bowling ball type of shot not a great finisher either i really enjoyed his defensive intensity he would get into guys he loved to like get steals and talk shit during the game which i he definitely took some pride in that aspect and he's really strong getting into the rim too like guys will just uh like his own man you know if he gets a shoulder past the guy that guy's just gonna bounce off him like he's not gonna get deterred uh from his path uh so i i did like duval i wouldn't say he would be my number two though just due to the lack of shooting ability i'd probably go with muhammad Bamba as my number two just because he has a seven nine wingspan nine seven standing reach uh has a little bit of shooting talent i think there's some projectable aspects there uh just a nasty shot blocker runs the floor really well is is pretty nimble in transition probably not going to be ever like a post-up guy but i think it and and he's also like a little skinnier than you might prefer um doesn't look like a guy who's gonna be able to add a ton of weight but really as and he's got good shot blocking instincts i don't see how he fails you know he may not have quite the offensive upside as some of these guys but i I mean i think in, in a group that didn't really stand out to me that much he would probably be my number two because you you know what he can be in the nba and he could be a dominant defensive player
1: his ceiling defensively is insane because he's just so long and when he wants to and when he when he really goes after it he can impact the game already like he he can be a dominant defensive player i when i watch him sometimes i think about nerlens noel but he has legitimate like unquestionable center size in terms of length obviously his his width is an issue and i think that he has he's growing up at the right time where they're encouraging these guys to shoot a little bit and so his jump shot is certainly it's certainly not broken i think it's actually projectable people made fun of me because i got excited about him making four or five college threes but why i was excited was because when you watch a guy mechanically and it works at that size you go okay you know maybe it's not going to be a a 26 footer but if it's an 18 footer that's certainly something every nba team can use
0: yeah now some of these guys we've seen a little bit more of others we were getting our first look at so definitely take it as a grain of salt of kind of what our rankings are especially because we're putting a big emphasis on this week when you know some guys just might not have been feeling well or or, you know I mean you never want to put too much of an emphasis on on one week but I would say the third guy for me would be a guy who didn't really get a ton of run in the game wasn't really a featured performer but I would say uh, Wendell Carter Jr. it would be the third guy for me he I compared him to Derek Favors with a jump shot Uh, another scout I talked to compared him to elton brand uh just you know 255 to 255 260 uh but for that body type he actually can really explode off the floor both for finishes inside and for shot blocks in a way that you you know he's kind of got more of a traditional power forward sort of body uh, but he's more explosive than you would expect from that sort of a guy uh and He also has like a pretty nice skilled post game. He can shoot a turnaround jumper, hook shots. He's got got some moves, like spin moves along the baseline uh, that I was impressed by. He's going to Duke next year i think if he if they put him as the only big out there i think any he, he has the size i think to play center he's you know like nine one type of standing reach and, and like pretty over seven foot wingspan and can jump a little bit so i think he might be okay as a center in the nba maybe a little undersized you know on the lines of like what favors is but certainly a guy who could play some center in some lines and, and i think i also expect that he's going to be able at some point to shoot Long twos pretty well, maybe even the NBA three he's Got some range out to the college three point line uh, already.
1: I loved one Carter at Nations and really liked him here. Something else that going back to Kevin Love and even before that that I enjoy is somebody who kind of grew up a little bit bigger and knows how to use their size. Carter's actually been shedding weight. I think he I think he cut about ten pounds over the last little while. And players like that sometimes can actually get a benefit from it because they know how to use the advantages they have even as they're losing a little bit of weight. And that. Work for Carter. I think he's going to be awesome at Duke. He fits in well with what Coach K wants. And I think defensively, I want to see what he can do because if he can put it together and be competent on that end, he becomes something really exciting. And I, I like Carter a lot. I like him more as a collegian than an NBA player, but he has a lot of potential
0: yeah i think people are underrating its nba potential uh, but we'll see whether that happens or not uh again the, the big issue is going to be all right can he play center regularly uh the other guy who i would say was in comparison uh, or in competition for me was uh jaron jackson the son of former spur and 1999 world champion jaron jackson who was uh around all week uh Jackson actually is ranked pretty low in some of the recruiting rankings like in the 30s which uh, is very surprising to me He's a seven footer probably has true center size very soft lefty hook around the room had some nice shot blocks and offensive rebounds he was excellent on the offensive glass in the actual hoop summit game against a team that had a, a lot of size he's going to Michigan State which I think is great for him the knock on him in the prep process has been that he hasn't had quite that much intensity and so Tom Izzo is the perfect coach for that I mean he just gets his bigs ready to play they always are awesome rebounders you know he really will toughen guys up a little bit and that's exactly what he needs you know I I always I wish that like Jaleel Okafor had gone to Michigan State instead of Duke although going to Duke was a smart move too because he had all that shooting around him but uh, nonetheless uh, and then Jackson his shot though is an interesting question I mean he shot an easy ball it was going in for him but he also has a pretty unorthodox form despite his quick release
1: yeah you you don't usually see 6'11 guys who shoot a freaking push shot. It's it, absolutely yeah. it's so weird but it does go in like the whole week it went in and so you, obviously that's still a small sample because you're, you're seeing you know like a couple two hour practices and all that sort of stuff but it, I, I just I, w- I talked a little bit about this with San Vecini when we did the podcast together like his shot just makes me uncomfortable but I, I don't know if it's you know I, I think it's just something you're going to have to reconcile with. Do you want to do kind of a little lightning round with the U.S. guys or do you want to talk a little bit about the international guys?
0: Yeah let, let's do the rest of the U.S guys uh, real quick kevin knox a younger prospect still hasn't turned 18 uh has a very young game as well he's an explosive athlete especially off of one foot in transition he's got some natural shooting talent but his shot is pretty inconsistent uh defensively kind of doesn't really know where to be not a lot of feel in this one took had some awful long twos uh all week he and uh he and Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt and, and maybe Gary Trent Jr. for a little bit all just had some really bad shot selection, especially in the practices uh, Knox carried over the game. But I mean, he really, he's a terrible ball handler too for a guy who's supposed to be a small forward prospect. Um so that's another issue for him he's got to, he has so many things in his game that he really can tighten up but uh athletically certainly is there as a prospect for sure
1: he needs some development and there's a, i i was very excited to hear that there's a possibility he's going to go to duke and play the four because that could at least in terms of his draft stock that could work wonders for him i i think that he needs to work hard on his game but i i, I as i always say i want to see now that i'm focused on the nba i want to see all these guys play together and so I, i'm rooting for that he has a couple other options apparently on the table
0: jared Vanderbilt, uh, a four man, really kind of of more of a pure four body. Although he he did show some ability to get to the basket, has a nice rough or right hand around the basket. He's a lefty, but also a guy who just jacks up shots. Not the greatest shooter in the world he was a guy who you know coming in the people who were more familiar with him actually were not very complimentary and i thought he had like a couple of really nice practices and he was tied for the leading score he was effective at the head of that u.s press got a bunch of steals was great on the offensive glass good in transition so a guy with a, a very projectable body as a modern four maybe someone who can switch i was impressed with his intensity i know you you liked uh, especially what he's able to do uh, on the boards as well
1: I did. I he and Jaron Jackson were the two guys who it seemed like good things always happen. When good things happened, they were around it a lot of the time. And sometimes, if that persists over a lot of a, a larger sample, you start to think, oh, maybe that's them being active and doing other things on the offensive glass. He just was in the right place at the right time a couple a couple spots. Like Knox, if you can iron out the the young in his game, I think he could be a very good player and a, and a professional. And I like him actually just with his competitiveness when he's when he's active and engaged. The ability to maybe he could i think he's a natural four but that he could switch on to threes and maybe even some twos just for limited stretches that defensive versatility is enough to to give him more viability even though he's not going to be a like a dominant scorer to me
0: colin sexton is going to alabama he was the other point guard prospect they had another one quad a green who got a concussion early in the week and, and wasn't able to play much sexton likes to shoot he's definitely a score first point guard when he concentrated more on setting guys up he showed a nice ability to hit the roll man uh with some like nice lead passes floaters over the top uh not quite comfortable yet out to the FIBA 3 although that didn't stop him from shooting it <laughs> uh and can get to his jumper he's got it's a little mechanical with like his elbow out a, a little bit but uh and he can explode to the rim didn't necessarily have a plan once he was in the air trying to finish um and didn't finish that well got a lot of shots blocked but uh and he also competed defensively he seemed to have a joyful approach to the game really enjoyed being out there i wouldn't say that either he or duvall are in the league with maybe even you know the top four or five point guard prospects this year but you know a lot can change both those guys have the physical tools to get there i think and then uh troy brown jr going to oregon swing man Kind of a two-three type of player, good but not great shooter. But has a nice projectable stroke, it looks good and a, a good athlete, not a solid one. I mean, not a guy who has star potential, but someone who I think, if he irons out his shot, could be you know just a solid uh swingman in the NBA for a while.
1: He didn't stand out either in the practices or the game to me. But considering the size and athleticism of the guys surrounding him, that's not necessarily damning in any way. And he could do really well at Oregon.
0: Yeah, I mean, overall this team just had a. T- of athleticism I and mean, just like every time someone tried to finish at the rim there's a ton of arms there every rebound was contested I, I was impressed with the intensity and the athleticism shown in the practices um let's do uh let's do the world team here there's a little more intrigue with them because some of these guys most of the Canadians are not draft eligible but there were some two Europeans in particular that I think are probably going to get drafted this year assuming they're in it let's start with uh Isaiah hartenstein uh, from Germany
1: I am always hopeful when you get to bigs that can stretch the floor but I have a big concern with him now which is I don't know what position he defends. I don't think that he's good enough as a rim protector to be a center and then I don't think he can switch and be versatile enough to play the four. I think he
0: I think he could be I think he could be a five. Like a backup I mean he five? has the size. He has the size. Like he's, like what, what is, he is what is stout. he missing?
1: He's stout. He's just I don't I don't think yeah. that he's like, I didn't see those he's kind a, of He's he's
0: inf- a good athlete. He's not bad. He's got he's a good athlete and he's got, you know, true I mean he's like 7-1 and, and you know nine, two, nine, three standing reach. Uh, So, I I mean, I'm not sure that he has the feel for protecting the rim uh, yet, or, you know, if that's something that's going to come. But when he was in position, I thought he was effective uh, protecting the rim. And I think moving his feet, I don't know that he would, he's not going to be like an above average switch guy for a four, as you said. But I think, you know, in pick and roll defense, uh, if he learns the nuances, I think he has, he has the physical ability. um, Like he's an intriguing prospect because there are a lot of things about him that like could turn out to be pretty good but there's also like not really anything that he does extremely well at this point either
1: he doesn't have the projectable jump shot of like porzingis or dirk or somebody like that i'm sad that i'm comparing him to white europeans but that's just the way it works out and i think that it it could be there i like how competitive he is and also he's he's an underrated passer like you would see him sometimes he would both in terms of speed and recognition for a guy his size yeah you he was supposed to
0: be selfish he was supposed to be selfish, and he was playing the four for this team. He had some great uh, high-low looks. I was actually really impressed by that.
1: I liked him in that way, and I hope that the team that because he's pro- he's probably going to be in this draft. I mean, yeah, I think that he has the option of being in this one or a future one. And right. if that team takes the time to really develop him and and do it, I think there is a good player in there. I'm not sure that it's a starter, but you can take a late late lottery. I don't know this class well enough to say late lottery or like late teens. But because if it works out, those players are incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know this class that well either yet uh, in terms of this draft, but just watching him he was someone who I felt like, yeah, you know, that's a guy that you would draft in the 20s Uh, and a guy, it's just his jumper. He gets his right thumb. He's a lefty. He gets his right thumb into it a ton and you know it just leads to him being very inconsistent he shoots it with too much arc as well he also you know he can put the ball on the floor but he goes left every time and not really a great finisher off the dribble his hook shots are kind of weird like he kind of short arms his hook shots uh it doesn't really have much of a right hand either so i I actually worry a little bit about his finishing around the basket although again you know he's a guy who can jump well enough that when he's open for a dunk like it looks pretty impressive uh and so again there there are a lot of tools there you know i'm not in love with him i don't i think the odds are probably you know of him becoming a starter or probably against it but he has the tools to get there and when you're in the 20s that's someone that maybe you start thinking about
1: the other player who is draft eligible this year is uh, Kostya Mushidi, who I didn't think that much of early on in the, because the, the world team starts early. They, they start early in the week and the U.S. guys come later. And then he had a couple of nice plays in the later scrimmages, and then he was just feeling his jump shot in the actual game
0: yeah and in the practices just you know spot shooting drills and stuff i thought he was pretty good as well he really struggled at the u18 european championships uh, playing for germany uh but it, you know he's like six five six six big wingspan like almost a seven foot wingspan uh but a little bit doughier of a body you know he's probably like 220 and and could stand to lose 10 10 pounds um Not quite as quick a feat as you would really like. Um, And not a guy who's going to like do anything off the dribble like blowing by people. He's not fast enough. He really struggled with some of the U.S. pressure. He had a lot of turnovers in the actual game. But, you know, that kind of length, a stout body who might be able to switch some. And if the shooting that he showed this week is real uh, and, you know, it hasn't necessarily been as good in other settings, then, you know, I think he's good. I think he's kind of looks like a second rounder type to me. He is... Uh, represented by Misko Rosnatovic, who is well known as uh, he an agent with a Bayo basket, I think is how you pronounce it. And they actually own that team Lex in Serbia where Muschidi has been playing. Uh, so... And I think he's only shooting like 31% on threes this year. Uh, So Moushidi is not, uh, I think he's not as good of a prospect as, you know, another guy like Luau, uh, Luau Capereau coming out of there because he doesn't have that type of athleticism. But with length like that and a a good frame and the ability to shoot it at least, you know, at times the way that he did this week, you know, I think, I think like a second round pick draft and stash type of guy might be the direction that I, I would see him at. Is that where you kind of see him as well?
1: Yeah. I certainly liked him better than Isaiah Cordonier, who was at, at the summit last year and then got drafted at like 45 and he's, he's better yeah. than that. Well, I last don't.
0: year's draft was bad too, but also it, true. I agree with you. Yeah.
1: And I feel like we have to talk about our Nikhil Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you and I both love him, and he's going to Virginia Tech. Just uh, uh, the type of player that I I don't know, I I hope it's going to work in college, but I totally see how he can work as an NBA player.
0: Yeah, he does not have star potential. He's a one-two combo, really on both ends. Uh, Definitely needs to get stronger but knows how to play, ambidextrous, comfortable running a pick and roll. He, w- I wouldn't want him as your number one guy running a pick and roll, but certainly if you throw it to the weak side, he can do it. He is didn't shoot it as well this week as I've seen him do in previous settings, at both nations and the U18 championship when he had 25 points against a loaded U.S. team. So, but I think he's going to be a very solid shooter, you know, maybe not a 40% guy, but a high 30s guy. Uh, And, you know, we're talking about hitting FIBA threes at this point, too, for a guy who's 18 years old. Um, And I think he can get to be a pretty solid defender, maybe doesn't quite have the athleticism to really be a great defender. But I think he's just going to be a solid third guard in the NBA is kind of what I think of him as we'll see how he how he does this year at virginia tech with uh buzz williams who uh reportedly is a a little bit insane but but a good coach we'll see how he how he deals with that um we should probably talk about rj barrett too because he is he is someone who really impressed at the basketball without borders at the all-star game and was being talked about as someone in the conversation for number one pick in a couple of years he's way younger he's only 16 uh what did you think of him
1: at first i was most most impressed that he didn't stand out in a negative way because he doesn't turn 17 until june and most of these guys are 19 you know like he he has a couple of years on all of them and athletically he can you know he he's no, I don't think he's like an NBA athlete at this point, but he's 16 and I don't see a, like a truly dominant skill from him, but he can shoot three, a little his bit. jumper.
0: His jumper is kind of weird. Like yeah. he, he shoots it like out in front of his body and he turns, uh, he's a lefty as well. It turns his body all the way to the right. Uh, and so it'll be very difficult for him to take a jump shot going to his left. He actually didn't look as good in the spot. Joel shot it better in some of the scrimmages, um, and, and I also think he's looked like a good athlete. I heard that he was kind of people said he was worn down, a little bit hurt, and knees weren't feeling good, and, and he's looked more explosive in other settings. And, and that might change how I feel about him a little bit.
1: He's also a very enthusiastic driver, which I like, even though he's not particularly good at it yet. He yeah. he's he's very in active. transition as well. He's yeah. good.
0: Like he'll push in transition. He's and he's you know six foot six. You know, pretty good wingspan. You know, two three type of type of player. Strong frame. I think he'll get you know and have a nice NBA body in and time. And, and I thought he competed on defense, OK, you know, considering his age, but he's not he didn't look like a nuclear type of athlete, which is if he given the way his jump shot is, he would have to be that type of an athlete. And maybe he has been in other settings, but to really be in the conversation as a top five type of pick when he gets there, uh, he's given his body type and the fact he's not going to be a great shooter unless he really reworks his form. Uh, You know, that's where he would have to be to be a top five type of pick.
1: Who else on this international team stood out to you?
0: Nick Richards, uh, I thought got better as the week went on and the world team was really hurt when the refs decided to make him the random world team center who just gets a bunch of useless fouls. Uh, and then they had to go with their two backup bigs who weren't any good. Um, Richards measured with a very nice standing vertical, and he wasn't, you know, a guy who you're like, oh man, this guy's jumping out of the gym. But he's got center size, a, a good frame that I think is going to get better. Moved his feet pretty well, uh, runs the floor really well, soft touch around the rim uh, for hook shots, and, and Also, like his jump shot wasn't going in that much in the drills, but he's got pretty nice form uh, and and blocked some shots pretty well, too, in in, uh, the world team scrimmages. So I I was impressed with what he was able to do. I think that he is someone he's going to Kentucky, so he'll be on a loaded team. I I mean, he's not someone who I look at as a star, but I think he has the potential to be a starting center at some point.
1: Certainly possible and somebody that could provide value even if he's your second second guy just because you could develop him and i think he can get better and i liked how when he was in the game and in their last scrimmage he looked more assertive and aggressive it also helped that he was so much less stiff and robotic than obiagu who just looked who i i just thought looked bad for the most part
0: yeah i mean he he and uh dos años uh we're kind of like, all right, why are these guys here now? Th- they do have this rule that they have to take someone from each FIBA region. And so, uh, they needed someone from Africa and they needed someone from South America. And maybe those were the best guys that they could find. But, uh, I didn't get to get yeah, my, I, mean, I didn't
1: get my French big fix though with Jonathan John. And that was sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gavoni was, uh, was not happy. Uh, Gavoni likes his French guys, but, uh, he was not happy that, uh, he was there, uh, was not there instead of, uh, uh, IK Obiagu and should mention too um uh Shy Gilgis Alexander, who's actually a cousin of Nikhil Alexander Walker. I thought he shoots a set shot, but it was going in for him in the drills and in practices. He's got great size at 6'5", 6'6", a uh, point guard. He's a solid athlete, not a great athlete, uh, but I was very impressed with how he handled the U.S. press. Just not a guy who gets sped up. Uh, great mentality under uh, the world team coach Roy Rana, who is also the uh, the Canadian youth coach in the U18s, U19s. Uh, so he has a relationship with all all these Canadian guys. Uh, You know, I thought he was a guy who probably you know lacks the explosion to be you know a, a like solid NBA starter as a point guard but I think he's someone who might end up playing in the league.
1: I liked him a lot too and something that stuck out to me in the very first practice for the for the international team was that there were three guys that I noticed they were going through drills and a lot of it this stuff the guys have never done before that were helping out their teammates and identifying things quickly and that was Hartenstein, RJ Barrett which was really impressive considering 16 and and Shea. And I always like it when a guy and some of that might be language so it could be a lot of different things but i like it when a guy not only internalizes what's going on and is able to help out and support his teammates and i noticed that with those three all
0: right i think we are done here for tonight thanks so much for listening tomorrow we will be back maybe we'll actually just start doing our playoff preview tomorrow night because we we already know what some of the matchups are so maybe we can just record that uh we'll talk about any of the relevant games though uh depressed though i am that uh, they may not be that competitive if any of them do get competitive we'll uh be there to take you through them and uh then uh playoff preview on thursday and then the playoffs will be upon us i, I can't wait for it uh thanks so much for listening don't forget about our sponsors today blinkist blinkest.com slash cap space is the url to get started with them the podcast i hate my boss as well which you can subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts thanks again for listening we'll be back tomorrow night Till then Thank you again to HBO for sponsoring today's episode. Jay Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film, debuts on Saturday, April 15th at 10 Eastern, 11 Pacific. It is the Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special, an exclusive presentation that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cole's Lens. For Your Eyes Only showcases songs from his fourth album and also follows Cole through the American South in a series of interviews documenting the struggles of the people in that region. Cole reveals the challenges lower-income residents face trying to obtain viable housing and the frustration for felons being barred from voting. Tune in on Saturday, April 15th, 10 Eastern, 11 Pacific for the premiere of J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film exclusively on HBO.